Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Sonic Society, episode 710. I am Jack Ward, one half of the hosts of the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama with the better half, David Ald. Good morning, David. <laughs> Good is, morning. Is everything ready for the big day of Christmas at the Alt household? <laughs> okay, well, no then. <laughs> <laughs> well, things are still setting up here. We haven't got the tree fully mm-hmm. set up, but we're planning mm-hmm. to do that fairly soon. But it doesn't matter because we have some amazing <laughs> holiday shows lined up this month, beginning with this week. Yes, indeed. And today we have Benjamin Peel's short Wicked Cinderella and Mercury Theatre Podcast's War for December from John S. Badger. Thanks so much to Benjamin and John for offering their shows for us to bring to you right here on the Sonic Society. Ladies and gentlemen of the Cinderella cast and crew, this is your five minute call. You have five minutes. Thank you. Let's hope we have some better performances than last time. I can't understand how so much could go wrong in a show. Let's make it a really good one, yeah? I just need a couple of minutes, then I'll be down. I honestly don't know why I agreed to do this again. It's not the greatest paid panto, and the whole place is crumbling to bits. Something drew me back, but I'm not sure what. Playing the wicked stepmother instead of Cinderella, maybe, is. It ain't as if you have what it takes to still be playing these roles. I'd gotten well sick of playing Cinderella through year after year. I didn't know why I couldn't be the wicked stepmother instead of little Miss Goody Two-Shoes doing my very best with RP. You want something that requires some actual acting talent, dear? I played Juliet in my youth, and my tragic dying was very much remarked upon. Now you're just dying up to three times a day. Oh, this performance had better go well. My agent has brought someone along who cast for doctors. God knows I could do with a break. What is it with the celebrity casting of pantomimes? Most of them are full of soap stars who can't act. But if you can get cast in one, I guess it evens it out. You older actors are just jealous because well, no one ever comes in to see you because your career is almost over. 
I don't think any of the doctors cast would want to be in this excuse for a panto. The other day, just before the fairy godmother first appears, I was stood right where the pyrotechnic goes off. But it went off early and the show was stopped whilst the doctor was called for. Who said it was very likely your heavy grease paint stopped any burns other than superficial ones? The makeup is helping to hide the burns, which should soon heal. I still reckon I should sue for compensation. But I can't give this up or let people down. We do get some laughs, though. Usually, when something goes wrong, there's nothing to compensate being in this show from hell. I remember my first panto years ago it was, at this same god-awful seaside town. And now it's back here, still scrabbling around for applause and laughs. Not that you get many. Even a skilled trained actor like myself can't breathe much life into this rubbish. A skilled trained actor? I studied at RADA, not one of these fly-by-night new theatres that don't seem to teach anything much at all. At least I'm not like some older actors, eh? Who go around trying to give notes to my fellow performers about projection. You try to milk every last drop of drama from every scene and there's so much self-indulgent upstaging going on. It's no wonder the show keeps on overrunning. The way you insist on enunciating every last syllable. It's no wonder the kids reckon you belong in a different era. It doesn't help that the director is having her wicked way with buttons. So he goes on forever and she won't say anything to him. It doesn't help that Buttons is usually half cut before the start and can't remember his lines. It's no wonder when he's got so many of them. God knows what the writer was thinking when he wrote it. Any decent director would have insisted on junking about half of it. The jokes were ancient then, and it gives younger ones far too much time messing about with business. Get on with it! I couldn't understand for ages why the director didn't insist on it being cut down. But apparently, before we wrote this, the writer had been on a one-hit wonder with something else and, and had written it into the contract that the panto couldn't be changed without his say-so. The writer left the proceeds in perpetuity of his first and only play to the theatre so long as his panto is regularly revived. I think it was some kind of sick joke myself. The theatre's never that keen on putting it on. I think there's some kind of curse attached to it. One actor I know refused to work here ever again, as his nurse was so frayed by the end of the panto. The theatre's never been keen on putting it on, as it has some kind of strange effect on everyone. But nothing happens when anything else is staged. I keep having a strange flashback to moving something. I really must stop talking out loud like this, but it's almost as if... He never wrote another thing afterwards. Well, nothing that was performed anyway. He got so sozzled one night that he tripped over and fell over the balcony and broke his neck. I heard he met with a horrible accident. Then there was the time when I was floundering for a line and the wicked stepmother wouldn't rescue me just because she thinks I get more attention. But you got your own back for that. When you had to describe me to the prince, you said I was short and dumpy with a wig. The stagehand swears he didn't set the pyrotechnic off early. 
Gave me quite a fright though. Ladies and gentlemen of the Cinderella cast and crew, this is your Act One beginner's call. Ow, that really hurt. I just got a massive static shock. Does anything work properly in this damn theatre? Sorry, this is your Act One beginner's call. Thank you. I don't know what your secret was, but you managed to play just about every role there is in pantomime. You claim to know the secret to Panto, though. It's no big secret, as Panto is closely associated with Christmas, and audiences will forgive just about anything, which is just as well with all the over-self-indulgent behaviour on this show. Yes, I remember her saying that, and it's such a tragic shame about the stage weight mysteriously falling on you. Oh, well... I'm having much more fun playing the wicked stepmother. <laughs> the new Cinderella isn't much cop, though. I'll be glad to get out of this dressing room. It feels like there's someone else in here with, with me, making me fess up. Theatres can be such dangerous places. Stage weights left in strange, precarious positions. Pyrotechnics going off prematurely. Fly ropes suddenly fraying. Lighting rigs about to collapse above the new evil stepmother. Still, the show must always go on, and on, and on. Because, is it ever going to be cancelled? Oh, no it isn't. I'll be seeing you very soon. And it won't be a ball we'll be going to. Oh, no it won't. <laughs> Wicked Cinderella, written by Benjamin Peel. The role of Cinderella is performed by Ariana Ramkalawan, the Wicked Stepmother by Vicky Wilde, and the Deputy Stage Manager by Benjamin Peel. Press the button, and away we go. Ahoy! Hey everyone, you are listening to Mercury Theatre Podcast. Originally, I was not planning on producing a holiday episode, but after contemplation, I determined that 2020 of all years needed something special from us. For those of you interested, this is the last regular episode, including the bonus content. If you want to hear more bonus content in the future, visit mercurytheaterpodcast.com to find out how to get that in future episodes. I also have a really exciting announcement about our first upcoming giveaway in our next promo slash interview. In the meantime, here is the War for December. Don't turn that dial.
troops! I speak to you tonight, not as your president, nor as your leader, but as your fellow soldier in the fight against this most festive of seasons. In these difficult times, we must remember that we are the last sparkly, tinsel-covered line of defense against those who would take Christmas from us. They're out there, men. The Anti-Christmas Brigade. With their winter breaks and their holiday parties and their plain red non-Christmassy Starbucks cups. They're coming into your house. They're stealing all of your trees and your stockings and your presents, just like the Grinch. They're out there stalking our wildernesses like the abominable snowman. They're chasing your children down on their way to school like those bullies in a Christmas story. And they're coming to empty their sewage tanks onto your yard like Cousin Eddie. We cannot let these humbugs win. What's next, men? The attack on Easter? The battle for birthdays? The struggle for St. Patrick's Day? No more. Boys, it's time to deck bear halls and to make them hear those herald angels sing! So pick up your official Red Rider Carbine Action 200-shot range model air rifles with a compass in the stock and that little thing that tells time and, and get ready to shoot their eyes out! Troops, let's sing a slaying song tonight! It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas! Oh, <laughs> This is your call to arms, Dark Elves and Gremlins. Our right to do anything other than Christmas is in jeopardy. Santa's forces have been taking our traditions and claiming them for themselves for too long. Our offerings of coal to the naughty ones have been consistently replaced by gadgets and doodads the kids do not deserve by their parents in protest to our discipline. Our songs have been suppressed, only replaced by the likes of Bing Crosby and Josh Groban. But what about Winter Solstice? Are we not to celebrate the annual day of darkness? Are we not in the month of Boxing Day, Cookie Day, Festivus, Cotton Candy Day, Human Rights Day, Maple Syrup Day, Kwanzaa, Cupcake Day, Ugly Sweater Day, Bacon Day, Hanukkah, Hogmanay, and who could forget Emo Day? All this has been overshadowed by... Christmas. Not this year, men and women. Not this year. We are taking up arms against Kris Kringle and his troops. We shall rain coal upon their heads. We will flog them with our bundles of birch. We shall not rest until the day when we are once again allowed to observe Yule. We have been oppressed far too long, and we will conquer our enemies, making their holiday merely equal to the others. Happy holidays will no longer be shot down by Merry Christmas. We are overdue for a revolution. General of the Armies, Krampus. Mama! I am loving being a part of this war. I haven't met battle yet, but training was delightful. Our candy rations were limited to one every other day, but I know we're training to become lean, mean, and fighting machines. 
The thought of going up against Krampus and her armies sometimes frightens me. As the Grenadier, I feel this is my calling. A chestnut popper in hand feels all too familiar. My regiment is headed off to battle later this week. I met a recruit who is the son of Mrs. Wrinkle Rock from your sewing circle. Such a small world. Oh, his name is Salamis. Maybe she talked about him? I only mention him since baby it's cold outside. Anywho... As I write this, Christmas is right around the corner. Save some pumpkin pie for me, since I'll be headed home before you know it. Say, what's in this drink? Love, Elf, Private, First Class, Esme. Pyleria Falcon Button. We move at night and lay low during the day. I haven't slept but at two-hour naps here and there. We have bivouacked in the forest, surrounded by barbed wire for protection. The sun keeps me awake at day, and the military keeps me awake at night. How we envy those on the lines at the North Pole, who can sleep midday. I take the cold over this any day. Good news from the front lines, though. In my last letter to you, I told you our yam cannons had failed to operate. Since then, they've finally been repaired. They're fairly efficient at keeping the elves at bay. They had been sneaking closer. I cannot count the battles I have partaken in. Rumor has it that there will be an extension before furlough, and maybe a few months before we can sip proper eggnog together while feasting on roast beast. Any fruitcake you find in the meantime that those pesky charitable elves sneak, don't throw it out this time. The door upstairs lets in a draft, and we need to use the doorstop appropriately. In all this time, I have thought nothing of home more than I have thought of you. I would very much like to marry you. The idea keeps my body moving forward. Yours truly, Tolgan. Dear Cinnamon Bustleplum, At first, we didn't mind the Pahrumpa Pum Pum. It was inspirational, at first. Then endearing. Then we became disinterested. Then it became irritating. Finally, it got to the point where we all took the chalkboards from our briefing rooms and scraped them with our fingernails to drown out the noise. Constant, incessant, non-stop. The kid couldn't be bothered with learning another rhythm? No. Earplugs can't silence the bass. Death would be a sweet release from the grasp of the little drummer boy. As I write this, at this very moment though, another elf took the bells off one of the reindeer and is harmonizing with the drum. And another drummer, clearly far more skilled, is joining in. Even a French horn is accompanying them. Quite the band has been drummed up, pardon the pun. I had no idea the army had handbells, and yet a whole table of bells and their players have joined in. What a delight! The drummer boy isn't so bad in context. Constant and everyone is right in step with him. Oh, Cinnamon, how I wish you could witness this beautiful event. Hopefully the officers don't come around and realize they're playing Jingle Bell Rock. That is not North Pole approved music. I know I made this whole letter about music, but honestly, we're just stationed here with very little going on. I hear reports of activity going on a hundred or so miles to our south, but not much else is going on. We're just protecting this bridge. I've counted every stone that makes the west side of it. Twice! 4,572, give or take 11. 
needless to say, we're getting antsy. With love, Choco Cuddle Milk. My dearest Padrica, hunkered down in my frozen, shallow trench, which very well may act as my grave moments from now, I write you this letter. Candy cane spears whistle overhead. Ornament grenades explode hither and yon. I can hear Santa taunting us over the loudspeakers across the way. Reindeer carpet bomb fecal matter scattering our flanks. My only solace is when shots of Bah Humbug fire from our ranks and the opposing side loses heart, if only for a moment. At the start of the war, we were under the impression that Saint Nick was just that, a saint. They flew overhead and would drop presents over us. We thought a peace treaty had been signed just after we were deployed unbeknownst to us. Explosions rocked our lines. The presents were bombs, waiting to explode upon opening. Fortunately for me, I read the note on mine that read, Do not open until December 25th. My mother taught me well. I guess some of her ranks don't know patience like me. I hid mine under my bunk, and will await to find out what mine has on Christmas Day, as per the note's instructions. Your baby daddy, Specialist Drimbler. Sparkle Angel Song December 5th marks another day of opening the advent calendar you sent me. I've long since eaten all of the chocolates that had been there before, but have replaced them with nuts or dried berries from the granola we were rationed last month. I didn't eat all the chocolates, to be quite frank. Some of my comrades found where I had the calendar hidden, and left me only the candy for the 26th. I will savor this Boxing Day like no other before. Quite fitting, if you think about it. Three days ago, we took the Polar Express to Nunavut, and have since ridden northward to flank Krampus's infantry. The Express has run out of hot chocolate, as one might expect. But we were given Ovaltine. Some of the men had some. Poor souls. As I write this, they are still sitting on their latrines. The rest of us heated water on makeshift stoves and mixed it with chocolate syrup. We'll win this war. I guarantee it. Noel Toffee Mitten. Master Sergeant Skullfury, our regiment battled these past three days against Santa's short infantry. On the 31st floor of Nakatomi Plaza was their regional headquarters. Getting entrance into the plaza wasn't too difficult. We took out the nutcrackers at the front desk on the main level, and then went up from there, taking out power and communications. Fortunately, our hooves are quite capable of walking over broken glass with no problem. We overtook the facility and have retrieved classified documents, as well as the enclosed decoding mechanism. Please forward this message on to the counterintelligence unit. Staff Sergeant, Kima Osro.
Dear Father, Four months have now passed, and the wounded soldiers haven't slowed down. The casualties of war have only increased, including bystanders who were too close to nearby Minty artillery fire. I fear not only for these, but for the thousands I know that are wounded and have perished elsewhere. The doctors are removing mint shrapnel from the wounded around the clock. I fear that our fight for Christmas may be lost. The nation of Krampus is unrelenting. Your care package of fruitcake was very much appreciated. I shared it with some of the other nurses here. Packages and letters come in short supply, as Krampus's armies take down our resupplies before they can arrive. Please don't lose heart as I have, but pray for us to regain what little hope we had. Your daughter, Amber Twinklewish. My beautiful Thelana, exciting news from the front. This morning I heard cheers from our ranks and I just had to see what the commotion was all about. In front of our saluting troops, I saw her. Her horns stuck above our heads. Krampus walked within feet of me. I saw her hooves, horns and an elbow. She came to inspire us, giving us the will to go on, despite the muck and mire we stood in. I don't know that another day without her presence we would have the wherewithal to move forward. Before you start getting jelly, she's beautiful, but I would never think of her any more attractive than you. I think of you often, and look forward to returning to your warm embrace. We had a small firefight with the Christmas Elven Cavalry yesterday on 30 Thought Street. I think we both surprised the other, but not many casualties on either side were had. It's a miracle more weren't lost. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of why we're fighting, but I don't forget why I fight them. You, and baby Shira. I must conclude this letter in haste. I think we're getting a new assignment, but my darling, please always remember me, and remember the cause. Balrada Mulnek. Garland Nibblefeast. Jack Frost has finally shown up. About time, too, but we don't take kindly to the heat as you know. I swear he shows up once a year to play around with snowballs and then goes on his merry way. He is no help. He cheats, too, but we don't mind. Those slush balls with a couple pebbles wreak havoc on the nutcrackers across the way, but later the heat miser returns. Just like your mother's mincemeat pie, Frost's efforts prove fruitless. Speaking of your mother, your mother wrote to me and I learned that Snappy's dog bit the neighbor kid on the posterior. This cannot go unpunished. Since so much time has passed, the dog will not understand the punishment. My suggestion is that her treats be held too high in the pantry so that Snappy will not be able to reach them and give them to her. Snappy will know that both of them are being punished for the actions of his dog. If this persists, we will need to find a home down south at your aunt's farm. She's volunteered to take her on occasion. The POWs sit in their cages and I was put on night duty to watch them. They're more active at night, bustling like children with their treasures and silver bells. We have I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus and repeat for 30 hours straight in their direction throughout the day. The PSYOPs gig isn't too bad, assuming Pinecone hasn't forgotten earplugs again. It got bad that one day. My father spoke of war like it had been brutal. I'm finding it is no worse than my upbringing. I came more than prepared for it. I've been quickly promoted two ranks due to my skills in combat. This will be a cinch. I'll be home before you can say Marshmallow Rice Treats. Household Head, Cedar Nibble Feast.
Hey mom, hey dad. I got your letter just now and couldn't wait to respond. I have had such a hard week, but your letter made me feel like I'm in the ninth realm of Sheol. Such a wonderful feeling. I lost a friend of mine to yet more marshmallow cannon fire. We have become jaded by now, not socializing with the new recruits. I can't remember the last time I shared an MRE with one. Who knows if either one of us will be standing next week. As for me, I need to sustain myself and keep my strength so I can return to your arms. I have been trained to take the ornament launcher because the position was vacated due to the Krampus' artillery fire. It's a weird feeling of realizing this is legalized murder. We never did this before the war. We only ever took the children from their beds to our home, showed them how much warmer and delightful we have it, while they laughed the whole time. I presume it's laughter. Humans laugh so weirdly, almost like our war cries, and then we drop them back off in their beds. For whatever reason, there was a hazard bonus we were given in person. I guess Ebenezer unclenched his tight fist. I've enclosed it in this envelope, as you already know. You should get each other something nice and keep the change of filthy animals. As always, your daughter, Lavina Dukes. Brother Mariahshel, I have never had a candy cane bayonet used against me. Not until yesterday, that is. The Brutes found some of our weapons somewhere and used them against us. Fortunately, your big sister is quite capable. Please don't tell mother of these close encounters. I fear she'll get even more worried than she already is. To be honest, the idea of pulling a holly leaf against the neck of an imp excites me. I found one left on the field after we overtook the encampment last week. I have it stashed secretly. Any contraband we can keep from the eyes of our ranking officers makes this war more interesting. Another frigid night, we were given nice hot wassail. Those little daily things we overlooked at home now thrill us on a monthly basis. Your sister, Ambriel McJingles. My darling, I'm writing my last thoughts before my possible demise. I've given this battle my everything, and the end is near. Either I die in the glory of battle or I rise victorious. Neither option sounds much worse than the other. The grim opposition faces us with their misery mood bombs and bags of coal at every turn. As we try to slay them with ho-ho-hos of cheer and ginger snap slaps, they rain down on us with their sticks and devilish faces. Krampus's legion are a horrendous sight to behold, varying from hellish bat-looking things to half-man, half-goat. But have no fear, the joy of the season carries us forward. General Rudolph has been among our battalion the entire fight, and he makes me proud every day. The elves are tireless in the face of the enemy, and we keep our sharp chins high. The ribbon nets of you have sent us have worked wonderfully, and the popcorn balls have fed many a hungry elf soldier. Your thoughtfulness has been providential for our cause. My hopes to see your face again are what carries me forward, and of course, the joy of the season. <laughs> Stay warm, my love, and keep the chimney clear for my return. Sigil.
I fear for our cause, Burgermeister, Meister Burger. We have been at this war for years now, and no one seems to wane on their aggressions against the month of December in favor of Christmas. Our troops have been stifled time and time again. They have been flanked from every angle on every front. We have accomplished minor victories in the front lines in Europe, but not much else. Our men stay the course, but we have lost the national funding due to red tape and a diminished fervor to win by the suits in Archeron. My forces eat gruel and go to battle using Saint Nick's own weapons against them due to the lack of weapons on our side. We cannot expect every Christmas elf to shoot their own eyes out. Even my men seek a means to bathe. My men! We pride ourselves in our filth, but even this has become too much to bear. We didn't wage this war for glory. We waged this war for equality of December's days. Not every December day had to be in relation to the 25th, waiting for its arrival or saddened by its departure. We ache for normality. We have fought tirelessly throughout the entire year, even summer. This is not natural. We hunger for food. I have even heard rumors of our ranks resorting to fruitcake on the occasional bout of depression and senility. If this happens among your troops, do not hesitate to send them to the brig and immediately court-martial them. This mental state would be a virus and catastrophic to the disposition of those around them. I write this to you in confidence as I have done nothing less than hold a high head among our officers and soldiers. They see nothing but an attitude to win from me. When we finally return home from war, our wives and husbands won't recognize us. We have lost luster and have darkened hearts. The war has worn heavy on our nation's soul. This letter is a warning to you, as your accomplishments have been great in this endeavor. You are one of the few who have pulled through. Under no circumstance are you to be relenting in the advancement against the enemy. Fight for equality. Fight for your wife and fight. Fight for me. General of the Armies, Krampus. My dearest Carol, another day passes, much like the one before it, but it feels darker than the last. Week after week, month after month, each darker than the one prior. I remember those posters my highest officials had me write of a hopeful war, a war that would inspire Christmas cheer in all the world. Words like, they're coming into your house, they're 
stealing all of your trees and your stockings and your presents, just like the Grinch. Uh, hyperbole necessary to light the fire that led to this. The elves and I have worked a hundred years for one night a year when our goods are spread among all the good little girls and boys. We have been losing our hold on the month to every other holiday that encroaches our territory. I labor to spread cheer, but this war has spread nothing more than misery. Krampess and her armies are chiseling at our numbers. Our stockpiles are dwindling. We haven't had eggnog in a countless number of months. So far, I have lost 200 pounds. The strenuous pace that we are constantly at, one step forward, two steps back, has increased my appetite for your homemade cookies. But I still lose the weight. Forever yours, Chris Kringle. As Santa, I'm Landon Lawrence. As Krampus, I am Kristen Martin. As the voice of Belle Monarch, I'm Georgina Walkington. As Cedar Nibblefeast, my name is Carlos Nelson. As the voice of Tolgrim, I am Paul Wolf. As Elf Private First Class Esme, I am Becky Collins. As Lavina Dukes, I am Nikki Brown. As Choco Cuddlemilk, I'm Van Sun. As Kima Osro, I'm Angelo Cruz. My name is Matt Dillon, and I am Specialist Dribbler. As the voice of Ambriel McJingles, I am Paige Elena. As Noelle Toffee Mitten, I am Kitten Be Trippin'. As Ember Twinklewish, I'm Grace Myers. As the voice of Sigil, I am Alexander Aguirre. Thank you so much for listening to Mercury Theatre Podcast. It was truly a delight to work with all this talent to bring you this holiday episode. I would like to thank the Academy as well as each of the writers who submitted a good portion of these letters. So, thank you. Still upcoming is the bonus content that I was telling you about. If you liked this episode, please tell your friends and rate us on iTunes or wherever else you found this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Join the Mercurius at the Mercury Theater Podcast private Facebook group. Our Twitter handle is at Mercury Podcast. Our costume designer was John Mark Most. Today's theme was played by Carly Collins, written by Joe Weatherford, and was used with permission. All rights reserved. This information and more is included in the show notes. Oh, we also have merch. Check that out, too. Now, on to that bonus content. You ever try, uh, go in a world? This summer, in a world. Yeah, yeah that was... 
That was a popular one. I don't understand. <laughs> so the Morgan Freeman can narrate your entire life. John was eating an object that I'm not quite sure what it is. A hard-boiled egg, it seems. It would not be. It is not soft-boiled. <laughs> Nor it, nor it is it medium boiled. That's a pretty good one, yeah. You want, you want to know how I got these scars? My father was a gamer. Sorry, I just broke my toe. You just oh, broke your toe? Send me a picture. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> and if everything's online and so impersonal and you're not actually... You're not leaving class together, you're just signing off. Good, because if you were dumb, <laughs> I think I would have left. He's the one who the, the last episode was dedicated to. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. Ooh. Well, in memoriam of, I guess. Hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. And it took a dark turn right there. I'm paying you guys for Listen, you listen. Don't pay anyone anything. <laughs> Well, if he'd let us, you'd pay us in hard-boiled eggs, but uh, I'm not about that life. Announcer! My favorite person! My third favorite person. Wait, my fourth. Oh, no. <laughs> Why does everything go wrong when I talk to you? Oh, it's fine. Oh, we're back. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take me through this roller coaster, Max. Where's the, where's the consistency? <laughs> the consistency. Ugh. Don't worry, it took me until I was probably 18 before my voice came in, so what? fine. Oh! Or do you mean, like, as far no, as the like connection the issue? not like puberty. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't hit that stage yet. Uh. It's taking a while. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> to be fair, I've... I hit puberty when I was, like, 10, dude. Yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was an early bloomer, I guess. I've looked like I was 30 since I was like 12. Him with his deep voice and early maturity, and he's all smart and everything, too. What am I recording all alone in my closet? I'm all alone. It's because you're sending us hard boiled eggs. And he also wants a picture of your feet. Yes. I <laughs> and feet pics. And feet Oh god, that's the intro. That's the intro. Just <laughs> send me pictures of your that's, feet. <laughs> that's the next 12 months. <laughs> the foot legacy lives on. Uh, I didn't know you were going to wear flip flops today. <laughs> 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 we, can't, we can't be friends anymore. I can't speak Spanish though, which which is a shame because I'm actually I'm Hispanic. So when I go to like Spanish restaurants that, you know, my parents will speak perfect uh, Spanish to them. And I'm just like, yo, let me get a water. Doing like the, the, Ooh, the la uh, la. Latin lover <laughs> the, of, uh, of, of, sensual, of sensuality. Would you believe me? Would you believe me if I told you? Would you believe me if I told you that I was? Would you believe I was a man? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that I was a man. <laughs> I'm about to stab somebody, and I'm the only one in here, so... I... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Definitely, keep, definitely keeping that. Oh, you're well, that's the highlight. Are you kidding me? That's that's the backbone yeah. of this conversation. Oh, no, hard boiled egg. How dare you? <laughs> uh, there was there was a lot in there. Like there was a lot. Yeah, it you was... thought you were the only one. Yeah, I thought it was just me, like on loop for for half an hour. Minutes. <laughs> then I heard then I heard these other guys, and I'm like, what the f- happening? Who's this guy <laughs> trying to take my spot? <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm dressed to impress. I impress myself. You call me crazy. No one called you crazy. <laughs> and it's it's on YouTube, so it's real. <laughs> He's pulling from sources. You've hardly touched your hard-boiled <laughs> leg. What's wrong, John? <laughs> <laughs> What an amazing journey we've had. And that's this week's show. Please check out the show notes on the Sonic Society website at sonicsociety.org. Check out our Twitter feeds at Sonic Society or at David Alt. Or join us in discussion at the Audio Drama, Radio Drama, Mutual Audio Network fans or Sonic Society Facebook groups. Next week we find ourselves in Christmas week bringing out all the tinsel with Tinseltown. Until then, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Have a lovely holiday season, folks. Bye for now. The Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. People say there's no such thing as magic. I know better. There's nothing more magical than the first snow of the season, that anticipation of what Christmas might bring, and then, finally, the day itself. There is nothing more magical. Oh, except real magic. So, you want to hear a story about magic? A story about Christmas? A story about one of the most enchanted places on Earth, where trees grow gumdrops and the Yeti skate on Sugar Plum Pond alongside elves? Do I ever have a tale for you? This Christmas... Oh, holy! Are you doing the trailer? Yes, Cornelius. About the show? Yes! Ooh! Have you told them about your Christmas wish? Uh, and how you came over to Christmasland, a place where it's Christmas all the time, and met the most handsome candy cane? That's me! But you weren't sure why you kept coming over, and eventually, in the end... Cornelius! <laughs> Hey! You can't give the whole thing away now. 
Guys, can you stop playing the music? <clears throat> Randall. Sorry. I know you're excited about the podcast, Cornelius, but don't worry. It's right around the corner. It's called Welcome to Tinseltown, and it'll be out on November 22nd. I think you and everybody else will love it. It sure sounds like it. Where, where can I listen? You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. If you're excited, let us know on social media at Hey Tinseltown. Holly, Cornelius, are you using my microphone again? I am the queen of Tinseltown, and I specifically told you... November 22nd. Welcome to Tinseltown. Don't miss it. Now, where did that candy cane go? Okay, gotta go. 